This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up in just a moment here, Senator John Hoban is going to join us. He's on the Senate Ag Committee. There was a hearing today for the possibly new Secretary of Ag, Tom Vilsack. So we're going to talk about how and why this person and President Biden's climate change point of view, if you will, could impact the cost of your food and obviously the cost to grow food for our great farmers and egg producers. We want to start with that tonight and take a look at how Joe Biden's view on climate change, his executive orders are ultimately going to impact the food at your dinner table, how it's going to take more money out of your pocket, and of course, how it's going to impact our great farmers and raise the cost of producing the incredible food that they produce. Now, just to give you an idea of how important climate change is to the Biden administration and Debbie Stabenow, she's the chairwoman of the Senate Ag Committee. She spoke earlier today, obviously, at this hearing for Secretary Vilsack. But very early on in the hearing, she said this about ag and climate change. The climate crisis poses the greatest threat to the long-term viability of our economy and our food supply. While farmers and foresters are directly affected by climate change, they are also uniquely positioned to be a part of the solution and lead and to benefit from new streams of income. The end there is the key and benefit from new streams of income from all these new regulations that are going to take place become a climate change. We've talked to you before about Gina McCarthy. She's the head national climate advisor for the Biden administration. She really led the charge for the Obama administration when she was head of the um, the EPA, isn't that called the Employment Prevention Agency again? Something like that. But anyways, she really was, you know, leading the charge on WOTUS, Waters of the U.S. rule, which is not good for our great egg producers. So bottom line, what happens is when you start to have all these regulations for our farmers, it raises the cost of them for doing business. In other words, it's going to raise the price to raise food, which ultimately gets passed on to you. Then we end up raising the prices of the food at your dinner table, and you've got less money to put in your pocket at home. So when you put that on top of what's going on with some of these energy executive orders as well, and you start raising the price of energy, again, the saddest part about this is it hurts the poorest people the most. We've talked about this, and that's what I want to get to tonight is the impact this is going to have on a large swath of our population. So earlier today, I had a great opportunity. Actually, one there is one good possible thing that could come out of what's happening with Secretary Vilsack and the way that he sees ag, and there could be many, many more, but one that jumped out today. Senator Amy Klobuchar is also on the Ag Committee out of Minnesota. She had a chance to ask Secretary Vilsack some questions about ethanol. Now, Secretary Vilsack is originally from Iowa. He understands, he appreciates the importance of ethanol. Here's some of what he had to say earlier today. Uh, we need to, we obviously, the USDA secretary closely with their, with his or her um, uh, partner at EPA uh, to make sure that uh, folks at EPA fully understand and appreciate the benefits of this industry in terms of jobs, in terms of the environment, uh, in terms of, of uh, uh, life cycle analysis. Uh, this industry has made great strides in becoming much more environmentally friendly than it was at the beginning. And sometimes I, I fear that we, we're still working off of old research. Uh, new research would suggest and indicate that this is an industry that is uh, providing environmental benefits, cleaner air, uh, for example. So we'll see what this new administration means for our great ethanol producers. All right, so earlier today I had a chance to sit down with Senator John Hoven. We talked about this hearing for Secretary Vilsack to be potentially the new Secretary of Ag, but also, again, a bunch of President Biden's executive orders regarding energy and much, much more. 
morning. Senator Hovind, welcome back to Point of View. Always great to have you, sir. Today, uh, nomination hearing for Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. You guys go back quite some time. I guess for the people watching tonight, obviously most people didn't watch the entire hearing. What do you think is the most important thing they should know about today's hearing? Oh boy, there's a whole range. But first and foremost, uh, you know, we've got to have ag policy that works for our farmers and ranchers because it benefits every American. Every single American, American benefits every day uh, from what our farmers and ranchers do, the highest quality, lowest cost food supply. So when we talk about farm policy, it's not just about our farmers and ranchers, it affects every American every day. Well, you just read my mind, sir. By the way, you did a great job in your questions today. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But that's what I want to ask you because a couple of themes that jumped out to me from some of the Democrats and Secretary Vilsack was climate change, very, very important, and, and equity. And so I want to ask you, when you look at some of the climate change executive orders from this Biden administration and what they're trying to do with carbon sequestration and whatnot with our great egg producers, what does that ultimately mean to the person sitting at home right now and potentially raising their food prices? Well, that's it. First and foremost, anything we do on carbon in regard to agriculture has to be farmer friendly. That's the key words. Those are the words I use today uh, with uh, Secretary Vilsack. And we can call him Secretary Vilsack because he's already served in that post for eight years. I worked with him when he was governor of Iowa and I was governor of North Dakota. I worked with him uh, in my first term as senator because he was uh, ag secretary and now it looks like we're going to work together again. That's good. He's very committed to finding carbon capture opportunities for agriculture. My emphasis to him is it's got to work for our farmers. But so, because he didn't really dive into that, and I want to get to that moment, but first, most importantly, because the people watching at home, they're, they're going to see their food prices go up, but based on some of this climate agenda, in my opinion, what, what say you to them and what can we expect? That your concern is right on and that that's my concern as well. Now, there are practices that our farmers are already doing, low-till and no-till, that are already capturing carbon. If there's a way for them to monetize that, okay, that's fine, but it can't create a regulatory burden or a cost on our farmers and ranchers who are already the best in the world. So the how really matters here, and you're expressing the right concern. So on the flip side, you said carbon sequestration has got to be uh, friendly to our farmers. The other aspect of it is, is how much is this going to impact um, the cost of doing business for our farmers to make them, you know, net zero emissions with this administration wants to do? Well, careful when you say net zero. I mean, uh, that, you know, that may be a goal, uh, you know, that, that some people have uh, as far as our colleagues on the other side. I think initially what we're talking about is how do they, how do we build on the practices that farmers are already undertaking in a way where they can capture and sequester more carbon and, and do it in a way that makes financial sense for them? And like you say, ultimately for the consumer, too. I want to uh, share with you a clip from Secretary Vilsack earlier today. He was talking about, again, equity within the USDA. Here's some what he had to say, and I just want to get your reaction on the other side. We need to fully, deeply, and completely address the long-standing inequities, unfairness, and discrimination that has been the history of USDA programs uh, for far too long. Senator Hoven, your reaction to that comment? I miss well, I, of course I want everybody treated fairly and well, no matter who you are, where you come from, what your race is, or your religion, or anything else. I always want people treated fairly. I guess I, I need more context for exactly what he's getting at. I think in our programs, uh, our farm programs, we work very hard 
uh, to make sure that everybody is treated very well. Uh, I, I believe I always have and, and will continue to do so. But I'd need a little more context in terms of, you know, areas that, that he is concerned about addressing there. But, of course, we want to make sure everybody gets treated fairly. Yeah, I agree. I just know maybe you had some insight into what he was suggesting there. Um, I want to ask you this. You are, you're on the Energy Committee. You're also the chairman or ranking member now of the Senate Indian Affairs Committee. So my question for you is there's been all these executive orders coming out regarding climate change. It looks like there's been a carve out for MHA Nation saying, hey, they're on federal trust lands, not federal land. My question to you is that does the Biden administration and or Deb Holland, if she ends up being the Secretary of Interior, do either one of those have the authority to potentially say, hey, MHA Nation, you guys are a sovereign nation. You get to keep and collect all the oil and tax uh, revenue off MHA Nation, and North Dakota gets nothing. Well, as you say, right now the Biden administration has put a moratorium on uh, leasing uh, for energy development and so forth on federal lands. Now they've exempted uh, lands that are in trust uh, for Native Americans. My point is we need to be able to develop our energy resources on federal lands uh, as we have in the past. That's important for North Dakota. That's important for our Native populations. That's important for our country. So their policy is going the wrong direction. And that's something that I'm already working on. As you know, Chris, uh, I've actually asked for a meeting along with other senators uh, with President Biden uh, because we've got to address that. And I'm sponsoring legislation to actually prevent uh, the kind of moratorium that this administration has put in place. That, that is not good for North Dakota, and that's not good for uh, our indigenous people or anyone else. That's not good for our country. I agree. Thank you for the legislation you're sponsoring. My question, though, is, you know, Deb Holland, first Native American to hold a cabinet position. You've got these climate situations. Um, they're going to empower uh, tribal nations as sovereign nations. Is there a possibility, is the authority there to say, hey, MHA Nation, you guys can keep 100% of the tax revenue in North Dakota, you get nothing. Do you, do you have any idea around that? Oh, okay. I, well, you know, that's something I'd have to understand exactly. What, uh, what I'd seen is they're exempting it from the moratorium on energy development uh, okay. and, and putting a moratorium on other federal lands. Uh, look, I think we should be able to develop energy, not only uh, Native American lands, but on, on our federal lands, as we always had. Second, as far as the tax ramifications, if you're asking me, can they go in and infringe on states' rights? I don't believe so. I'd have to understand under what authority they're trying to do that. And as you know, I'm a very, very strong advocate of states' rights. Um, and I've always supported tribal sovereignty, too, but I'm a very strong advocate of states' rights as well. With my background as a governor, you know that. Well, I think that's what's going to get interesting. So you've got, you know, these sovereign nations and state rights. And so where does that tax revenue ultimately land? Uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Have you, have you had a conversation with Chairman Fox yet? Because he potentially could be an ally regarding some of these DAPL decisions. Have you spoken to him about, hey, Chairman Fox, can you work with us here to speak to the Biden administration, potentially Secretary Holland, to keep oil flowing through the DAPL? I've spoken with Chairman Fox many times. I know him very well. We have a very good relationship, and I, and I think you know, he's, a, he's a strong leader uh, for his people, and I'll continue to have more conversations with him on these issues, including uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, and I've been working very, very hard. I uh, just had a conversation with General Spellman along with uh, Senator Kramer. We talked to him just yesterday. He's the, the general in charge of the Corps of Engineers that's doing the environmental impact statement. Uh, I've spoken with uh, other members of uh, Congress on, on, like, say, on the Democrat side uh, to get their help. But Dakota Access Pipeline, again, very important for North Dakota, important for 
uh, three affiliated tribes, like you say, important for our country. Been operating three years now, safely and without incident. And so it's very important, and we're, and we're working on this very diligently, but that the Corps be allowed to complete that EIS, and so that pipeline can continue to operate. I mean, we're talking about light, sweet crude, as you said, not only from North Dakota, but from three affiliated tribes. This light, sweet crude going to our refineries for our country, and if we don't have it, and if we don't produce it, and that pipeline has the capacity to move up plus a million barrels a day plus, that's oil that we're going to have to get out of the Middle East makes no sense, no sense environmentally, no sense from the standpoint of national security, no point from the sense of jobs in our economy to get that oil from OPEC or anywhere else when we can get it right here in our country from North Dakota and other places. Senator, I've got you for a very limited amount of time here, so three sort of rapid-fire Q&A, if you will. First one, um, do you think President Trump has any responsibility for the riots that took place at the Capitol on January 6th? Well, as I've said, he should not have encouraged uh, the protest, but clearly the people that uh, broke into the Capitol, that broke the law, we can't have that, and uh, they, they need to be prosecuted and uh, absolutely uh, held responsible for breaking the law and breaking into our nation's capital. So is there anything that you could see in the trial next week that would get you to say yes to conviction? Well, as you know, I, again, have expressed very serious concerns about uh, the constitutionality from the standpoint of impeaching somebody who's not the president at the time they're being impeached. That's a real concern. Um, beyond that, you know, Chris, um, I have responsibility as a juror to sit and, uh, and hear what's presented, and, and I'm going to do that and listen very carefully. You're on the Ag Committee. You're the chair of ranking members of Ag Approach. You're on the Energy Committee. You're on the Indian Affairs Committee. Very important committees to North Dakota. Final question, sir. Are you running again in 2022? <laughs> well, I'm planning to, Chris. It's a long ways off, but that, that's my plan. And, um, you know, appreciate, you know, you mentioning some of those committee assignments. Um, we have a fantastic state, and it's truly an honor to represent North Dakota and North Dakotans. And I, I couldn't be prouder of our people and all they do for this great nation. Well, we're proud of you, Senator. I mean, being on those committees is just so critical. So thank you so much for the time and the insight. We appreciate it. We look forward to having you back. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Appreciate thank you very much. All right, stay with us. A lot to digest there. We'd love to know your point of view. You heard that from Senator John Hoven. You just heard, I mean, very, very important committees for our state. So email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We're going to get to your points of view coming up right after this.